Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. I'm joined by Ole Miss baseball radio analyst and career hits leader, Brad Henderson. We're talking baseball in the program today. Before we get there, folks, I want to thank our partner, the Oxford Park Commission. We appreciate OPC coming along for the ride with Justify Your Existence and in the Facebook group, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford. Lots of good things going on at OPC. They are looking for lifeguards right now. The pool will open Memorial Day weekend and run through Labor Day. Lifeguard candidates must be at least 16 and must have current lifeguard certification. For questions, email OPC Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler at jamie at oxfordparkcommission.com, J-A-M-I-E at oxfordparkcommission.com, or just apply online at oxfordms.net. Softball and baseball registrations in soon. The deadline for those is April the 4th. Brad Henderson, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good, Paris. Cooled off a little bit, but it's a beautiful day here in Oxford. Well, it is. You know, my grandmother always said, just, you know, just give up on spring weather. You know, it's not going to be completely spring uh, until after Easter. You always have the Easter cool snap. And uh, grandmothers are right about a lot of things. And it, <laughs> it always uh, seems to be the case around Easter. It's going to cool off a little bit. And, you know, a couple of days this week just in the 50s. So it is cooler, but uh, that, that's okay. Just glad. Uh, you know, look, looks like right now, maybe not a not a week with uh, heavy, heavy, severe weather. So that's good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, what's going on, man, at, uh, at Alpha Insurance? Well, just trying to get back in the swing of things after being in Tuscaloosa and uh, got, got a good plan ahead and just going to call a lot of customers this week that, that we may only have one line of business, you know, uh, may only have their home, may only have their cars and just throwing out there, you know, that uh, the discounts right now we're giving, obviously you've heard of bundling the home and autos, but, uh, you know, with, with our new auto program, we, we give discounts to, to teachers, to uh, first responders, to military. Uh, so about to, just trying to get in touch with some people to see if we can save them a little bit of extra money. Man, uh, I'm, I'm hearing you on that teacher discount. Uh, we, we, we look for those. <laughs> you look for those when you have an educator uh, in the family. So that's uh, that's good to hear. Tell uh, tell folks how they can find you, Brad. Uh, they call me at 662-236-1575 or email me at uh, bhenderson2 at A-L-F-A-I-N-S dot com. Big weekend uh, for the Rebels, Brad, a sweep. Sweeps are not uh, easy, and uh, they move up to number three this week in the D1Baseball.com uh, top 25. This team so far has shown a knack uh, for getting it done in close games. In, in this 6-0 and SEC start, which is the best since Archie Manning was a shortstop, by the way. Uh, I'm sure you heard that heard that over the weekend. But yeah. you know, they had two one-run wins. They've had a 2 to nothing win. They go into the ninth inning in game one in Tuscaloosa, trailing three to one. Uh, they, they just uh, have had a knack for the timely hit, the late hit, uh, getting it done at the end of game. So what, what do you what's what's letting them get there? 
Well, I think it's kind of – the confidence kind of rolled over from last year. Those guys had that same confidence, uh, kind of same chemistry. And there's just a fight there that those guys have um, that kind of takes them to the next level. They never panic. Uh, I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the pitching, you know, that they can go to a bullpen, even though if they get behind, that bullpen kind of keeps them in it. Uh and then once we get to the other team's bullpen, we just figure out ways to win ball games. So, yeah, I mean, what what a luxury to start 6-0 and in the conference. And, uh, you know, this team's on a roll right now. Tell you what, uh, getting into uh, Alabama's bullpen was a big part of the weekend, I thought. They didn't really hit their starters uh, that well, you know. Uh, but they got going later in games, uh, especially uh, uh, on uh, Saturday in game three. It just, you know, they – they got uh, past that uh, four innings from Connor Shamblin, who was kind of a surprise starter and uh, really took off. Big day for, for Tim Elko. Uh, it was good to see him uh, kind of come out and, and lead the way like that. And I think he'd had just one hit in the series uh, going into uh, game three. Yeah, I mean, we, and it's been somebody different every game, Parrish. And, you know, you talk about Saturday, we, we had – Three out of the first four innings, we had the leadoff guy on. And, and there in the third inning where we didn't get him on, we got the second guy on. So we had our opportunities. It, it wasn't like we were just completely getting shut down and kind of scratching our heads. We, David and I in the booth felt like at any moment we, we could break off, break out. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, looking at it right now through six games, I, I would rate us an A on the mound. Uh, a B at the plate and probably a B defensively. Uh, although we didn't make an error all weekend, you know, we've shown where we were susceptible to giving teams extra outs. But, uh, you know, it, we talk about it all the time. It, it, that pitching just keeps you in every game. And we're good enough right now offensively uh, to score enough runs to win. Uh, Gunnar Hoagland. It's hard to argue with uh, one walk and ten strikeouts, but he left some balls up in the zone. Uh, what did you think of uh, of his outing there in game one? Yeah, I thought he was good. Um, yeah, it's hard. We get so spoiled with Gunner because we're so used to seeing him going out there and kind of like Auburn going eight innings with 13 strikeouts and just completely shutting teams down. And Guys don't do that, you know. I, I mean, you look at what maybe Jack Leiter's doing at Vanderbilt and you know, those are exceptions to the rule. But, uh, you know, I, I thought he was really, really good. It, it, was a fr it was a Friday, you know, game one of a SEC weekend on the road. Now, and I will say this, uh, I noticed this, and I, I asked Mike Clement the next day, their pitchers, man, this makes a difference, and it makes a difference for both teams, but not near as much for the home team. But their mound wasn't near as tall as our mound. And so a flatter mound typically means it's hard for a pitcher to throw downhill and stay consistent down in the zone. And I mentioned that to Callum. I didn't say it on the air because I didn't want to use it as, a, as an excuse. But uh, it's just harder to keep the ball down when you're throwing from a flatter surface. And uh, I don't know why I noticed that. Uh, and, again, it wasn't an excuse, but I do think it had something to do with leaving the ball up. And the ball was just flying out to right field. I think two of the three homers against Gunner don't leave the park on Saturday, and they don't leave Swayze at all. So it was just kind of one of those days that 
their left-handers took advantage of it. Uh, obviously, Dunhurst hit the big home run for us to get us on the board. Uh, but, you know, it worked out in the end. Yeah, and, you know, um, balls that don't leave the yard. Why, why do you think those balls were carrying out at right field? Is, is that a shorter fence out there? or? Um... Yeah, it was a, it was a shorter fence. Uh, it's three, it was 320 down the lines, where Swayze is 330 down right. the lines. And, uh, you know, a couple of them just barely got out, but the wind was just gushing out to right. So you knew you had a chance if you got it up. And on the flip side, on Saturday in game three, blowing out to left, there was a lot of balls that didn't get out to right field that would have gotten out the day before. Uh, but Tim Elko just hit a monster home run there in the seventh or eighth inning on Saturday. So you knew if you got it up in left field, you had a real shot. Well, you know, Brent, if there has been a criticism of the old Miss starters uh, to this point, I would say it's just uh, the, uh, mistake pitches. You know, you, they're not giving up not giving up big innings, but uh, they're prone to give up uh, those solo home runs. You know, those can make a difference in close games. That, that's being pretty critical. I like your point about the small mound. I mean, th there are excuses and then there are explanations. There are reasons that things happen. It makes sense to me that that if you're throwing flat, that changes the trajectory of your pitches. It's going to be harder. You're going to have to be more intentional to keep the ball low in the zone. But I thought uh, Gunner had a, a really good outing. But when he did leave a ball up in the zone, uh, this Alabama team that really, I think, was one of the middling offensive teams right now, they may get better. But uh, I think they went in that series hitting 269. Uh, they made him pay. And that's what SEC teams are going to do. They're going to take advantage uh, of those mistake pitches more times than not. So if there's a uh, an area right now, that I guess the first area where I think these starters could be better, it's just, you know, cutting down on those. But uh, we just have seen a lot of so solo home runs uh, from uh, opponents. That's a lot better than giving up uh, uh, the big inning. Yeah, and, and, but on the flip side, if you look at it, I think going into game three, we had uh, we, we had almost doubled walks offensively than they had, you know. So on the flip side, we were making their pitchers work extremely hard and defenses work hard too. So it's just a grind, the SEC, and it's every at bat. You know, you get to some of these mid-majors, uh, and, and midweek games and, and the lineup, if you can get through kind of the meat of the order, you can kind of breathe. Well, yeah. you can't on a weekend, and we saw that. We yeah. saw that. But I think you you said it. We're, we're getting nitpicky uh, because yeah. we're talking about a team that's 6-0, and oh, and uh, we're talking about Gunnar Hoagland, who, who walked one and struck out 10, and he gave up three solo home runs, which in the end that uh, didn't cost us. Uh, and, and we've given up a lot of solo home runs, but uh, you can live with solo home run. Uh, it's those three-run homers that get to you. And, uh, you know, they just found a way to win. Now, we're, we're going to talk, obviously, going – the next three weekends are critical for yeah. this team. You know, we go to Gainesville for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, we come back home with Arkansas, who just swept Mississippi State. And then we go to Mississippi State. So – Obviously, the next three weekends for me, are, you know, if you could come out there with – come out of that with five, six wins, you've really set yourself up to uh, to make a run at winning the West. And if you can't – and, yeah, the schedule's about to shift gears here. And when we talk this way, Brad, it makes it sound like Alabama and Auburn are bad teams. And they're not, you know. But they are teams that can pick you off. And, 
and had several opportunities, both of these teams, to pick off Ole Miss a couple of times. Uh, but, you know, Ole Miss was able to get the timely hit, make the timely plays, make the pitches. Uh, that's what uh, elite teams do, and that's how Ole Miss is playing right now. But the schedule's about to shift gears, okay? Alabama and Auburn, good teams, are not projected among the top teams in the SEC. The next three weeks, uh, the opponents will be. Florida this week, then uh, uh, Arkansas and Mississippi State, they, they are projected to be the better teams in the conference. Uh, there's going to be less margin for error. So it's important, very important. Uh, as hard as it is to get a sweep in the SEC, uh, it's important that the Rebels uh, have back-to-back -back sweeps because at the end of the season, being able to win that third game uh, against Alabama, against Auburn, it's going to make a difference in the standings when you get to a series or two that doesn't go your way. Yeah, you're, you're going – you're going to drop some that, that you don't expect to drop or, or where, where maybe you have a lead going in late in the game and, and you give it up. So that's why I think those sweeps are so important. We, we would be feeling really good about ourselves right now if we were four and two. You know, you win two out of three every weekend. You, you take that. So those extra wins that, that I'm calling extra, uh, it, it allows you a slip up here or there and it doesn't cost you near as badly in the end. So it, it's just unprecedented. And you said it since 1969. It just shows how hard it is to win six straight games in this league. Uh, but you're right. We're, we're fixing to get tested. Uh, you know, hopefully we catch Florida uh, a little bit down after after they just got swept at South Carolina. Uh, but you know they're going to run a lot of talent out there, and it's their home park. And and they're going to be scratching and clawing to try and get back in it too. So, you know, one game at a time. we got a midweek game tomorrow with UNA and certainly can't overlook them. But, uh, you know, the focus right now is getting on that plane Wednesday and heading to games. You know, uh, Brad, a lot of times coaches like, like uh, insurance reps, you know, that you can have a plan. You can have this really good idea. And sometimes it, it just doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. But uh, Mike Bianco told us last week about the plan uh, for game two, and it was going to be uh, Doug Nikhazy for, you know, somewhat of a short start, very monitored pitch count, and then an extended bullpen appearance from Drew McDaniel, and that plan really worked, really worked in game two. I thought Nikhazy was good, and uh, Mike has talked at length about wanting to get extended appearances from a bullpen guy, and Drew McDaniel gave him that. What, what did you think of uh, that? Yeah, I mean, he, he couldn't have drawn – he couldn't have drawn it up any better. You know, you just – you knew Doug was healthy, but you just didn't know till he faced live hitters again uh, how, how the performance was going to be, and it was lights out. I, I mean, if you'd have told us he was going to go five innings and, and not really give up anything, uh, you take that all day. And then Drew came in and did what Drew's done uh, – really all year. So, you know, Mike had told us going into the weekend that they were fixing to shorten that bullpen some and get get their more quality guys more innings. And, and you saw it on on the first game with Gunner. You know, he brings in uh, Myers, who gets you to to Broadway. And then uh, he goes Nikhazy, and then, and then McDaniel gets you to Broadway. Uh, and, and then Derek gets you six more innings, you know, in game three uh, that allows you to get to Miller uh, and, and then to Mallet. So, you know, we didn't use 
we only use nine, nine, maybe 10 pitchers all weekend, uh, where Alabama probably used 15. So it, it was a luxury, but we've known that's a luxury. Uh, and I think we get, we get beat up sometimes because he will run a guy out there, you know, against ULM or, or, or UCF that he's trying to get innings for and they get beat around and you think, well, maybe this bullpen's not as good. But this core bullpen is really good. And, and they get outs and they, they, they hold offenses. You know, you get to a point in the lineup when you've seen a guy two or three times, it's time to make that change. Well, when we bring that next guy in, we don't fall off very much. And uh, that's such a luxury for this team. And whether we're down or up, they kind of keep it right there and throw up a bunch of zeros to allow our offense maybe late in the game to either get the lead or put it away. And he didn't use Max Chofi this weekend, which is, I, I thought was a good sign. I think Chofi's ready. I think he's getting stronger. And I think he'll figure in to that uh, upper tier of the bullpen that you're talking about. So I think that that core is about to get a little bit deeper I really like the way he used McDaniel. I like him in that role. Uh, do you think he starts uh, tomorrow against North Alabama? Do you think that's Mallets or, or you know, what do we see for Drew going ahead? Yeah, I, I think it'll be one, either one of those guys, but I think both will pitch. Uh, and I know Mike had said going into the weekend that if that if Max didn't throw this weekend, he would throw uh, some tomorrow on Tuesday against UNA. So. You know, they, they did extend Drew a little bit. They did uh, – you know, Mallet's only threw an inning. So, it, that, there's options there. But I think it'll be uh, pitch by committee for the most part tomorrow. You just hope offensively we jump on them early enough where now you can start getting some of those guys that maybe need some work in if the lead's big enough. Um, but, you know, I think Kimbrell needs to throw. He didn't throw this weekend. Um you know, a lot of options, but, uh, you know, and the more you can use these guys that aren't going to pitch much on weekends, it only helps Ole Miss, you know, down the <clears throat> down the line. And when I say down the line, not only this year, but, you know, getting guys like Morrell and uh, some of those, you know, getting prepared for next year. Taylor Broadway, Brad, had two really good ninth innings, uh, closed out two games on Friday, got hot, pitched on the same day, uh, Mike said he was possibly available had they needed him uh, on uh, Saturday. He was going to evaluate that uh, that day. Ends out, uh, turns out they didn't need a closer. Uh, but what what goes into a guy getting hot like that twice on the same day? I mean, what's what's a reasonable expectation? You think Broadway uh, could have been effective uh, had they needed him on Saturday? Yeah, I do. I do because you know I think he only faced uh, on Friday two. To uh, six, the minimum, I think he faced six batters. If not, it was seven, uh, and he had four strikeouts. So you know, if he had run him out there and, and he'd have thrown, you know, twenty-five pitches that first game, and then another uh, twenty pitches the next game, I, I think it would have been tough. But I did see him warming up in the ninth on Saturday to, if, if needed, to close yeah. out game yeah. three. So uh, you know, it's I think it's more of a mentality from a closer standpoint. And I think they happen to be, they have to be open to it. You know, if they have it in their mindset, then I'm just going to close this game and I need a day's rest, then, you know, then that, they're not going to be near as effective. But uh, Taylor Broadway, he's a tough kid. He wants the ball. Um, so I think he would have been fine. But yeah, I think it goes back to the number of pitches he didn't throw that would have allowed him to be able to close out game three if we needed him. 
And it looks like he's strung a couple of good outings together now. You know, there was uh, earlier in the season, it was like every other outing. or not, not that he was giving up a ton of runs, but there were some base runners. There was some extra drama. You know, it just uh, was not uh, as easy or as fluid as it's looked the last couple of times. He's, he's really started to look like that dominant closer that uh, I know Mike believes in him there in that, in that role. So uh, good to see him. Uh, you know, put those starts, put those appearances together. Good weekend for Justin Bench, man, six for 11. I thought it kind of got lost in uh, Chatagnier's big game in the opener, four for five, and and uh, Elko in, in game three with uh, double home run, drives in five. But uh, Bench was six for 11, had uh, two hits every every game. Yeah, and, and, you know, he continues to just get on base. You know, he got hit a couple times, uh, drew a, a tremendous amount of walks on the weekend. He just kind of gives you a professional at bat, I like to call it, you know, and he kind of flies under the radar. And then you look up and he has six hits and 11 tries. And uh, he's just kind of a staple in that lineup. And, uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have him. But, yeah, it, he gets overshadowed because when Tim goes off, Tim just goes off. And uh, when Graham seems to go off, he goes, you know, the numbers are huge. Just a three-hit game with a home run and, four or five RBIs, and Justin just kind of gets lost in the mix. But, uh, you know, Coach moved him up to the one – to the leadoff spot because Pey- Peyton's still a little banged up. And and if you didn't get a chance to watch it, it was visibly noticeable – or noticeably visible, sorry, that that he's not 100%. And, and I think it's just some some scar tissue is built up in there. It's They're not worried about him re-injuring it. But you could tell running uh, – he hit a ball the first game down the third baseline that their guy dives and hits off his glove and just trickles kind of down the left field wall. And, and any other day, that's a stand-up double for Peyton, and he shut it down at first base. And and it's visible. You, you can certainly tell that it's not 100%. So we moved Justin to the leadoff hole, and we really didn't fall off at all. How do you deal with a hamstring like that, if, uh, coach or player? Is it just rest? I mean, can't – can that hamstring for him get uh, get better during the season? Yeah, yes, it can. But the, I think they do need to rest him. Uh, after seeing him this weekend, um, I'll be curious to see if he plays tomorrow. Uh, I haven't talked to any of the coaches since we've gotten home. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he you're going to have to rest him when you can. It's just hard because we're in the gauntlet now. Uh, and we've got to have him play. We're, we're better with him at 80% running, playing every weekend than, we're, than we are without him in the lineup. So any shot you get a chance for him to either DH or not play second base at all uh, helps. Uh, but, yeah, it, it may be something he's going to have to kind of grind through. I, I don't know the severity of it. You just hope it's some scar tissue that eventually just kind of breaks up and and goes about uh, – goes go, – you know, gets out of the way. But, uh, yeah, the more they can rest him, the better he's going to be. But that's hard to do because he's such a spark plug for this club. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe there's uh, T.J. McCants second base uh, uh, tomorrow. And, and T.J. certainly, I think he would be your most valuable freshman right now. Really uh, just continues to to come on with uh, hits and, and big plays and had the home run uh, in game two there, uh, first run on the board. Uh, in a two to nothing game, uh, maybe uh, see him at uh, at second, but he's really proven to be versatile. 
Hey, what about uh, the day Hayden Dunhurst had, man, catching uh, both ends of a, a nine-inning uh, uh, two nines there in the doubleheader on Friday? I, I thought it was good to see him, uh, that he was able to uh, get the day off on Saturday. Yeah, and, and it wasn't – you know, he was a late scratch Saturday. He was penciled in, and uh, he had taken a couple on Friday in the doubleheader, a couple of uh, foul balls off his fingers. And they just – he just didn't feel like – uh, they just didn't want to risk running him out there and, and re-injuring the hand. It wasn't anything serious. And if we were in the championship game of of, <laughs> of a regional, he would have caught in, in game three. But we had the luxury to, to DH him, and I thought Knox was good behind the plate, LaPosser, and, uh, you know, give Hayden a quote-unquote day off. But he did DH, and, uh, you know, he's been phenomenal offensively this year. I don't know that anybody – I certainly didn't see the numbers being where they're at right now because he was kind of a swing and miss guy last year. He had hit some home runs, and uh, I, I just kind of had him penciled in as maybe being a 280 guy this year with, you know, eight or ten home runs. But, you know, he may hit 320 this year with ten home runs. But, uh, yeah, just everything kind of fell into place this weekend uh, as, as far as the buttons they push. And, uh, and you can obviously tell – after a sweep, that they're probably feeling pretty good about themselves. Yeah, and Knox, uh, Knox is good behind the plate. I don't think you just you lose just a lot there uh, when he's in. It was good to see him get a hit late in the game. I know he's been struggling uh, offensively, and when you're struggling, Brad, the game seems to find you. And, and just uh, uh, two times earlier in the game, uh, Saturday in Game Three, Knox came up with runners in scoring position and you know, wasn't able to move him around. It was good to see him, uh, you know, get a swing in there and, and get on base uh, later in the game. But, uh, you know, it's – you need that kind of depth, especially at that position. I thought about Dunhurst during the day, man, just all that squatting uh, for, you know, three-and-a-half three and a half hour game twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we we went to dinner uh, Saturday night, uh, uh, David Kellerman, our ticket guy, and, and we all went to dinner and we saw – that we ran into the Dunhursts. And, and, and they were eating at the same restaurant we were. And I asked Hayden, was he going to sleep good that night? And he just laughed because uh, you could just tell he was just, you know, exhausted uh, after 18 innings in one day on an SEC weekend, you know, where, where the intensity is at, at a different level. So, yeah, but going back to Knox, too, you know, I, I, kudos to him because he didn't swing it well early in that game and some opportunities he had, but he never let it translate to when he caught, you know, he ran that staff, did a great job blocking balls. And, uh, you know, we really didn't fall off defensively uh, with Knox in there in game three. Man, you talk about the ticket guy, uh, James, uh, JT, he ended up at Buffalo Fields, man. I remember they, they used to have a place in uh, in <laughs> They used, used to be over at uh, uh, Gloucester Creek Village back in the day. So I saw you uh, interacting with him a little bit there on Facebook. Uh, yeah, I was giving JT a he, hard time. He was supposed to be going for a walk. Yeah, yeah. When, when, when we got to the yard uh, Saturday, he said, man, it's too pretty out. I'm fixing to go for a long walk. I'll see y'all when the game starts. And five minutes later, I'm in the booth, and I look on Facebook, and he's at uh, he's at a wing place eating. So yeah. I, I had some fun with that. His, his no, that, walk wasn't very long. Well, there, there, you know, there, there's, there, there, there were some steps involved at some level. <laughs> hey, folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. 
Thanks for being with us. Be sure to check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss page and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well, Ole Miss Discussion with Paris Alford. Lots of good stuff there. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.